Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Reverend Steve Andrews. Today in Revelation chapter 11, we conclude the interlude, uh, the time in between the sixth and the seventh trumpet, and we also get the seventh trumpet. And so we, we learn more about who the church is to be in this creation. We read, Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, Rise, and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there, but do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for forty-two months. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for twelve hundred sixty days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. They have the power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying, and they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. When they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them, and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city and that symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt, where their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents, because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on earth. But after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them, and they stood up on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies watched them. And at that hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified, and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe has passed. Behold, the third woe is soon to come. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your saints, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. This is the word of the Lord. So we first get the picture of the church as God's witness to his creation. Just as we had yesterday in chapter 10, John is given the scroll. He's given the law and the gospel, stomach bitter, mouth is sweet. He's given law and gospel to share with the world. And now the church is brought up immediately after that. We are the ones who have been given that mission. We have been given that task. 
So that's the first part of the text today, is that God will protect us as we go about the work of his kingdom. The second part is then the seventh trumpet, which brings about judgment day. There is no greater woe for those who reject God than what comes on judgment day. But for those who are his servants, his prophets and saints, as we saw in verse 18, judgment day is a wondrous day where we are saved we get to be with Christ forevermore, and we do. We finally see God's vengeance upon those who have opposed us and caused us our suffering all this time. So that's the overall message of the text. Let's dig into it a little deeper. Verses 1 and 2 are going to give you this picture of God telling John to measure the temple. So measuring something in Revelation really is a, uh, the idea that God is going to protect it. To measure it means God knows its dimensions. He knows how big his church is. He knows how big his family is. And because he knows, he will care for them. That's kind of the picture that we want to keep in mind when we hear this idea that God is measuring something in Revelation. And so we have the idea of the altar is there. We have the worshiping there. So the church is there. We get to continue to worship. We get to continue in prayer before the Lord all through the days of our pilgrimage here as we carry out our task. Now, the outer court is to be left out. So when you talk about the temple, it was divided into two sections. You had the inner court and you had the outer court. The nations, the Gentiles, were not allowed to, to move beyond the outer court. So they could, they could come to the outer court, but they couldn't enter the inner court. And so God here is, is protecting his people. He is bringing us into himself. He is giving us that protection. While the earth, the, the, the wickedness of the, the people around us, um, the pagan cultures are going to try to attack. They're going to press in. They're going to destroy. They're going to try and overwhelm. But as that's happening, God continues to protect his people. Now, that holy city mentioned in verse 2 is the city of Jerusalem. It is constantly uh, a reference in Scripture here to the place where God dwells with his people. And that's a, a thing to keep in mind of the temple, of the tabernacle, of, of Jerusalem itself. It is the place where God dwells with his people. So they are going, they're attacking that very thing. And they're doing so for 42 months, and then you hear the 1260 in the next verse. Both of those are three and a half years. So when you take 42 months and you times it by 30 days in a month, which is a lunar calendar, you would get three. You would get the, sorry, when, <laughs> when you divide 1260 by 42, you get the three and a half. So... What we have, I can do math. 42 times 30 is 1260. Forgive me. All right. So what we have here with these numbers, and, and that number is going to show up more in Revelation. It's not just here. This is the first time we're seeing this. But this three and a half then is a reference to our time of suffering. But it's not a forever suffering. Right? We've been talking about fractions here in the book of Revelation. Three and a half is half of seven. Seven is that number of perfection. 
it is not the fullness of time that the church will suffer for. It is a significant period of time. The church will endure prolonged suffering. We will be persecuted in this world, but that suffering does not end. In fact, it comes to an end, and we see the, the rejoicing then at the end of the chapter with the seventh trumpet as the church sings, the nations raged, but your wrath came. The time for the dead to be judged and for rewarding your saints. Sorry, your servants. I did that in the reading too. Your servants, the prophets, and the saints. So that's our, our theme as we keep going through. Now, God grants authority to his church, to his two witnesses. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Acts chapter 1, just before the ascension. In both of these places, we see God giving his authority to his disciples to preach the word, to share the good news, to make disciples, to baptize. Uh, however you want to phrase that, it all goes together. And so what we see here in this whole section then is the church carrying out that task of both law and gospel, as John was given at the end of chapter 10, sharing those things with the world. We have the authority to do so. Now, why two or three witnesses? <laughs> Sorry, I gave it away. Why two witnesses instead of just one? The church doesn't seem like a thing that is two. The Old Testament law of God required two or three witnesses to testify to any charge. You couldn't you couldn't have your neighbor simply say, oh, he took my he took my goat. You needed a, a witness to be with them for that. It had to be two people that charged you with taking the goat in order for it to have any chance of standing. And so here, as God has the church going out to do his work in this kingdom and, and sharing the law and the gospel, we are not one, but we are two witnesses so that that has validity as the people in the world hear from us. That's the idea here with the two witnesses in this book. Now, in verse 4, you've got the two olive trees, the two lampstands. Olive trees produce oil. You need the oil for the light. Um, because you burn the light. Uh, you burn the oil to produce the light. And so we are the light of the world. We've talked about that in, in previous chapters. It comes uh, back to Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, where he says that he, he says that very thing. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. We are to share the word of God, we're to share the gospel out into his creation. Now, lots of stuff the church gets to do. A lot of it sounds overwhelming and powerful. Um, probably don't really want to think of doing these things, but uh, the point here is that when we speak God's law, it cuts, it wounds, it hurts. And God is going to give his church the authority to bring about repentance in this world. He's going to give us the authority to preach that word and the spirit will work through us um, and to do whatever God sees fit, whatever God believes is necessary. But the world will rebel against that. When the church does her work, the enemy fights back. And so we, we get an introduction here to the beast in verse 7. We'll talk a lot more about beasts in the chapters to come. Um, we'll see two beasts in Revelation. This beast comes up from the bottomless pit, so sent by the devil to fight against the church. And indeed, they think that they conquer the church. They think that they've killed the church. Um, the city where the Lord is crucified is Jerusalem, Sodom and Egypt, or other places of evil in, in the history of Scripture, three and a half days. So for 
not a perfect amount of time, but for a, a good chunk of time, uh, half of perfection, the world thinks that it's one. It thinks it has silenced the church, but just when it does, just when they're hating us and rejoicing, they think that they've killed God's church, he raises his church up again. He gives her a voice back, and she's able to continue to prophesy. Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 says that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And so that's exactly what we see happening here. But it's not only that either, because it comes to the end. And in chapter or verse 12, God says, come up here to his church. That's First Thessalonians chapter 4. Jesus takes us to be with himself. And so this gets into the last day already, right before the trumpet sounds. Uh, that final trumpet that introduces Judgment Day in this book, in this chapter at least. Um, Christ takes us to be with himself, and all of the enemies just watch. And they are doomed as the judgment hits. There's an earthquake at that moment. Um, there are seven earthquakes in Revelation, believe it or not. Number seven again. Um, very destructive. Second woe. We as the church live to witness we die for our witness, but we are raised again in Christ. That's the aim of that first part. And then again, the judgment is the, the third woe, the seventh trumpet. As the kingdom of God is restored, he reigns forevermore. The church is there, the 24 elders. They reign with him. They bow before him. They worship him. And God avenges his servants. I got to write that time. The Ark of the Covenant shows up right there in the last verse. That's his throne uh, that he used before his people. So we get to see the heavenly throne room. We get to come into God's presence. And you see there uh, symbols of God's power at the end of this chapter. The, the lightning, the rumblings, the thunder, the earthquake, the hail. We are safe from that as his children. We get to be a part of his power. And we get to be a part of his kingdom forevermore. So it's really... Um, a wonderful chapter that teaches us that as we do his work, we will be persecuted. We will suffer. We may even die for it. There are certainly martyrs throughout the history of the church, but God is with us. He is protecting us. And even if they kill us, the church lives on and we will be raised. On the last day, we will get to be with Christ forever and he will avenge his saints. Amen.